And a lot of it is just uh, the clock. And it was my uh, age. And I was sitting at my desk and really going through inventory of my life and all of the things that it, that I hadn't done yet. And so that that was, you know, playing in my mind. And I think that just comes with the age of 65. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Making your mark big or small is creating a legacy, and it's one of the proven ways we can age with energy and joy. Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Find out more at judybanker.com. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and other offerings, hop on over to zestfulaging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind-the-scenes looks at my interviews and other fun tidbits. Of late, I'm doing a lot of gardening and thrifting tidbits. So that's something you might you might come across. Well, as usual, I've got my loyal Jack Russell Sparky right by my side. So let's begin. Sometimes the stars align and something unexpected and wonderful happens. In 2015, Melissa Davey, a corporate executive, had a chance encounter with a famous film director. After that meeting, she was inspired to leave her 25-year career and jump into the unknown at age 65. In April of 2021, Melissa's first film, Beyond 60, a documentary about the resilience and continued relevance of women over the age of 60, was released. It's now showing on demand and on most streaming platforms. It's inspiring women of all ages and, and reminding us that a woman's age is not her story. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I am really excited to talk to you, as you know, because I watched your film last night and I, it was beautiful. Um, I was really inspired by it and I want to, I'm really curious about a lot of choices you made. I'm not a filmmaker, but boy, I, I can't wait to get into it with you. The first question I have though is, how, how, what was it like to be a corporate executive for 25 years and then say to yourself, I think I'm going to try filmmaking? How did that evolve? Well, it's a little bit of a story. I mean, a lot of it is just uh, the clock. And it was my uh, age. And I was sitting at my desk and really going through inventory of my life and all of the things that it, that I hadn't done yet. And so that that was, you know, playing in my mind. And I think that just comes with the age of 65. And we were mm -hmm. also, the, the company that I was working with was about to be bought out again by another private equity company. And every time that happened, I had to make a decision as to whether I was going to continue on for say another five years. So sitting there mm -hmm. at 65, knowing that another five years, 
I would be where I am now, um, you know, in my 70s, pushing 71. Um, I, I really had to start thinking about what did I want to do? Did I want to retire? And I knew the answer to that was no. Um, mm-hmm. And then while this was going on, I did have a, a chance encounter, meaning I uh, was bidding on and won a day on the set with M. Night Shyamalan in Philadelphia. And this is all just coincidence that, that it mm-hmm. happened at the time I was thinking about it. And I spent, you know, uh, when I say a full day, I mean more than 10 hours behind the camera mm-hmm. with him. And he asked me a question at lunch. He asked me what I did for work. And I tried to explain very uh, simply (laughs) to a film director what this, you know, insurance risk manager, social security disability expert person did. And he looked at me curiously and said, well, what do you really want to do? And I said, well, (laughs) I want your job. And he, Mm. he looked at me and he said, you better hurry up. So it was like all the stars aligned and Mm -hmm. all the thoughts that I had been thinking anyway with filmmaking on my list of one of the things I wish I had tried. A bucket list. Yes. I decided at that moment that I would give my year's notice because I needed to do a long notice in order to prepare the company and mentor somebody to take my place. But I had that time to create something in my mind that I wanted to do. And that came very quickly. And it was almost a logical step. If I'm going to go into filmmaking, I should at least make a film about something that I know. (laughs) And, you know, me being 65 at the time, I thought, well, you know, I know about women and I know about older women. And and I know that we're very um, still relevant. And that we have great stories. So that, I decided at that moment, that would be uh, my goal is to find other women my age or older who had very interesting stories that would inspire people and show people that just because we're a certain age, we don't fade away. We're still doing extremely interesting things. And that's the goal of the movie. It, it, right. And so I have a hundred questions, but I'm going <laughs> to rope myself in and ask. It's quite a variety. And um, I'm really curious how you found these women and how you chose them because there are not that many of them. You go into depth with each of the women. How does one decide, you know, this person is going to be interesting, this person's got this story to tell? How do you make those decisions? Well, I spent the better part of that year as I was riding out my my career, um, Googling, calling people I knew, uh, you know, trying to find women that I thought would have a good story. So I started gathering names and I cold called these people. And I actually talked to somewhere between 80 and 100 people during that year. Um, And I would spend an hour on the phone with each one of them, um, you know, hearing their story, trying to figure out, okay, I have these stories. How do I pare it down to nine individuals 
so that I would stay within a, a certain time frame for for the film and have very different stories, but some common threads as well, showing the resilience, showing the continued relevance as each of these people age um, and, and providing some kind of a connection to what I thought would be the audience. Um, you know, mm-hmm. my goal was to find a woman that would resonate with almost every woman in one way or another. So, and that was your goal. Did you, as you were interviewing these, these women for, for, you know, that's a substantial amount of time, um, an hour, was some of it intuitive? Like this person really, you know, uh, gels with me or this particular energy. It wasn't only, okay, check off the list. This person will resonate. This person is covering art or literature. Some of it was intuitive. Yeah. Can you talk about that process? Yeah. I, I think, you know, when you uh, run a division of a company for many, many years, you've built this for the company, you spend a lot of time interviewing people, talking to people, um, creating things for other companies. And so that was my job. My job had always been to talk and listen and figure out what somebody needed and then how I would work with them to get something created for them and delivered to them. So it was very comfortable for me to talk with people. And I knew that in the process of talking with them, it wasn't just their story, because almost everybody has an interesting story, but it was how they sounded, what kind of energy they gave off, and how they connected with me. I, you're, you're right in that I really did want to feel connected to them. And... Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy for me to be connected to most people, but the nine that I chose are just ones that stood out and, and, you know, years later, I still talk with them on a fairly regular basis, even though they're all over the country. Um, You know, I made a, a very deep connection with each one of them, not during, not just during the initial interview, but, you know, we spent a full day of filming with uh, each and every one of them. And when I say full day, I mean like, you know, an eight hour day where you're having meals together and, and talking about a lot more than what you might see in the film. So there is this intuitive kind of connection where you know that you're going to be able to get that person to open up and to talk about things that are very personal in front of a camera. I'm, I'm I'm laughing to myself because that really, I'm just on the the eve of publishing my book on podcast interviewing, and you're talking about some of the very things that I highlight, which is if there's not an emotional connection, you're just gathering data. Correct. And it's not that interesting. And it sounds like we're, we have some similar experience in that you had skills that served you in your career but that right. really you were able to bring into this new world and all of a sudden you find, hey, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. I mean, it's always been easy for me to talk with people I don't know. It's, you know, and build mm-hmm. a relationship very quickly with them, depending upon what it is that they need from me and what I need from them. I've, I've always been able, even from the time I was a child, I've been able to 
um, develop those types of relationships quickly. So that wasn't foreign to me. And that part wasn't the hard part for me. That was the, the most comfortable part was sitting down and having conversations with all these women. It was, it was you so looked much very fun. comfortable. You looked like you were having fun. I yeah. could just see your whole, like, um, just the way you presented it, it was like, this is, I get to do this. I'm, yeah. This is fun. <laughs> you could see it. Yeah. yeah. yeah so you, you just, you just said, you just said something uh, a moment ago about that wasn't the hardest part. What was the hardest part? The hardest part was learning the um, process of making a film and putting it together and having 80 hours of 80, 90 hours of film that I needed to cut down <laughs> and edit mm -hmm. to become an hour and 17 minutes is what it is. So, you know, all of the things that I learned about cameras and you know, I hired, I, I brought on a production company to work with me. So they had the cameras, the lights, the sound. And I was learning about each one of those pieces that go into making a film. Um, and it was incredible. It was an incredible education. And we did this together for three years. It took three years to complete this. Wow. Um, what did you, what surprised, <laughs> what surprised you most about the process? Um, that it's logical. <laughs> it surprised me that mm -hmm. it was, in a sense, that it was easier than I was anticipating. Um, because everything you build, no matter what it is that you create, has some type of a process around it. So to me, the process was very logical. The hard part was understanding, okay, what should the lighting be like? And is this going to be a problem? Because we did, you know, Many movies are filmed in an area or one location. This film was filmed throughout the United States in um, different people's homes or places of business and inside, outside. And mm -hmm. it, it was that Studios, part was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that part was interesting as far as what we had so, to do to try to make it look To make it cohesive. consistent? Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yes, yes. I... um. I, I, I recently learned about that, that you want to have it, there's consistency is an important part of this process. Right. Right. But so each you, story is yes. so unique, you know, everything's so unique mm -hmm. and the individuals are unique. So you want that uniqueness to come through, but you want to have some semblance of uh, balance so that when the, the the viewer is seeing something that isn't too jarring. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so that, that was a real learning experience. And the editor that I worked with, he, he was phenomenal. Um, and we walked through every step of the process together, picking out what, you know, what was appropriate, trashing what we thought should be trashed. And um, it, it was quite an experience. I loved it. Oh, wow. You know, one of the things that you talk about that's important to you is showing resilience. Mm -hmm. And you had to show your own resilience um, during part of the process because you were ill. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about how you got through that? Yeah, it was, you know, I, I have uh, 
recurring Lyme disease, which anybody who's had a tick bite and had this, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, diagnosis understands that some people uh, have it once and they take the medication and it's gone and they do well. Apparently, it's happened to me a couple of times. And the second time around, it just didn't leave. So for the better part of two to three years, I had bouts of fevers and lethargy and um, just felt miserable. But it was one of those things that I couldn't, on occasion, I couldn't do the filming. But um, most of the time, I would just go and not feel well. But I would be bolstered by the activity and um, the excitement of doing the filming. And I could kind of manage it that way. Um, but there were, there were a couple of scenes at the beginning and end where I filmed at the very end and I had a very high fever that day. And I was sitting next to these incredibly bright lights, which the heat from them was intense. Mm -hmm. And I was so Mm -hmm. concerned that the viewers would see me sweating, but, um, it, it, it turned out okay. But it, it's just kind of, I think there are times in your life, as you know, as you get older, when you look back and you see, boy, that was a very difficult time for me. Um, I was going Mm -hmm. through something very difficult, but I had something really important to do and something that I loved. So I just kind of powered through it. Um, You know, that's a really interesting point. I wonder how you would have fared if you were back in your, your nine to five career and how the Lyme would have played out had you not felt such a strong purpose? Well, you know, I did have Lyme disease when I was there um, at, you know, Mm -hmm. in the corporate job. There there were some periods of time where I stayed home and just worked from home on my laptop because I was too exhausted to get up and get in the car and go. Now, the job that I had was huge, and I traveled throughout the United States and Canada on a regular basis. I had offices in LA and Maine and Tennessee, as well as here in Pennsylvania. And, um, you know, the companies that I, I did work for were all over the United States. So I was constantly on a plane. Um, mm-hmm. So there was usually enough to keep me motivated. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't have I didn't have a sit at the desk job, so to speak, um, and it was a very creative and dynamic kind of a position. But but there were times that I could not have gotten on a plane because I felt so sick, mm-hmm. um, and so I. But I was able to rearrange that. There was something about this uh, new job that I created for myself that really. It lit a fire in me that was new. I mean, it was a new fire. So, and I think that that happens to you in life when when you have something new and exciting, you you can mm-hmm. power through a little bit uh, better than you might have than if you were in a job that you knew so well that you could do it in your sleep. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was your, it was all yours. It was your baby. That's right. 
the film. Right. Was is there a sense? Uh, you know, I think about big projects, and some of my clients will come in and they'll be finishing a book or dissertation or something like big project, and then there's this like, oh. I miss it, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you have that experience where now it's it's being shown and it's no long? You, it doesn't need you anymore, in a sense. Right. You've done right. you've done your work. Are, are there any emotions that come with being finished with the film? Yes, and um, and this is for me personally. I have learned, even at almost seventy-one, that. I need to have a purpose every day when I wake up. I, and I mean that in, um, in a way that retirement to me, for me, does not mean just sitting down and traveling. I mean, I will travel. I always did. And I will continue to do that. But I need to have some kind of a important purpose in my life. And that's, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, um, I miss doing the filming and I am looking at uh, creating an opportunity for a second film right now. So that was going to be a question yeah, of mine. Yeah. <laughs> I do hope to keep doing that. I, I hope I can make another one and then we'll see where it goes. I don't want to, you know, pressure myself or put myself in a corner and say, I'm going to be a filmmaker till I'm 90. Maybe I will be. I don't know. But I certainly mm -hmm. learned enough in this first one. This was this was my schooling um, mm -hmm. to feel very comfortable to know that, oh, I would love to do this again. And I think I would be even better at it this time. Is there a sort of a, a group of women filmmakers that support one another since uh, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, is that that's, you know, women are underrepresented, uh, underrepresented in, in, in making films. Is there sort of a, a, a support group of, to, yes. to keep you folks going? Yes, there, there are probably maybe a hundred is too few, but there are so many women in film groups, um, by state, by region, uh, mm -hmm. national. And I do belong to a number of those. And I also belong to a group, uh, a documentary filmmaking group, a small group of individuals from mostly from the Northeast. Some are from India and Australia. And we do a Zoom mm -hmm. meeting every couple of weeks where we get on and talk about um, our most recent films that we're working on and we dissect things together. We look at trailers together and mm -hmm. that's been a, an extremely dynamic group. And the majority of them are younger than I am a couple of oldsters, but the majority are younger <laughs> and it's, it's been great to learn from them and hear from them. And they just, I don't know, they just keep you focused and um, excited about the next project. Oh my goodness. So you've really entered a whole new world. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Mm -hmm. I can hear it. I can hear it in your voice. Do you have a particular legacy that you'd like to leave behind, Melissa? Um, I don't know whether I have a particular legacy that I want to leave behind, but I do want to people to know that I was here uh, 
and that I did something or gave them something that will help them in some way. So whether that's a message mm -hmm. or whether I worked with them and mentored them or whether this film or another film will resonate with them and make them think about something. You know, my, my hope has always been to have conversations with people that will challenge the way that they think about something. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I guess that's, that's it, if you want to call that a, a legacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, indeed. Um, I would like to just get some real specifics for so our audience can watch this beautiful film and, and learn more about you. What are the best places for them to find out more? Well, right now, um, if they want to go to our website, uh, the mm -hmm. website is beyond60project.com. Okay. And there's a host of information there. Um, and then currently, the, the film is, if you want to buy a DVD or Blu-ray, it's on sale through Amazon. Okay. Um, so they can find it there. Or if you, want, if you have uh, Comcast or Verizon, any of those cable channels, it is on demand. Mm -hmm. And I do know mm -hmm. that for whatever reason, you have to type in the name Beyond 60 into the search bar when you're doing on mm -hmm. demand and you can either purchase or rent the film there. And then there are a number of streaming platforms that are currently streaming for sale or rent. And I'll name a few, um, Apple TV, Vudu, mm -hmm. Vimeo, YouTube TV, Google TV, Microsoft, it's on almost wow. every streaming streaming channel that you would come in contact with. So you just okay. type in Beyond 60. <laughs> and some and, you wouldn't. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> some I've never heard of, but they keep growing every day. They do. That's, they uh, absolutely that's do. great. So you're easy to find. And just to repeat, it's Beyond 60. And that is 60 written out or 60 numerals? 60 written out. That's a good question. Okay. It's S-I-X-T-Y. Beyond60project.com for our that's listeners the so they can check it out. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a good place to start. Um, anything you'd like to add before we wrap up, Melissa, any, any, uh, advice or guidance or thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap up? One thing that, um, I always tell people, I, I have mentored a lot of young women, younger women, uh, in, in my career and, and then now making this film, the same phrase keeps coming up. Uh, in my head over and over again that I, I want to impart on everybody that's listening. And that is always take the detours, always. Mm. Because every time you take a detour, meaning don't drive the same way to work mm. every day, don't go mm. to the same restaurant for lunch every day, and keep your eyes open because an opportunity could be in front of you that you would not have seen if you took the same route every day. 
and and it has wow. proven in my life to be an amazing a number of amazing opportunities have arisen because I took detours and I just and I keep my eyes open and I look and I stop and I talk to people that I wouldn't have bumped into if I had taken a different regular old route. So that's that's my and you know bit of advice. And that really squares with the research on aging well. I think you're talking about being courageous and maybe not being comfortable all the time, but trying new things and really engaging and not yeah. just being in in sort of the same track. Right. Because those people, are all things I mean humans yeah. get stuck. We all get stuck. Yeah. And not always because we want to be stuck, but because life is busy and it's a challenge to step outside of of, of the box that you've created for yourself, mm-hmm. whether it be family and work and you know, everything that keeps you busy and exhausted every day. So you have to make an effort. I think you make an effort to step out of that and see what else is there. And at least just keep your mind open. Because I talk to so many people who are older that say, oh, I'm too old to do anything new. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it, it, that, it's just not true. It, it, that's a construct that we build for ourselves, or maybe we've heard it from someone else. And it's something that I think we get stuck in that thought and then mm-hmm. don't take the, the time to step out of it and look and see what's around. Because we, you know, yeah. I am just, I'm an ordinary average person. There is nothing about me, honestly, and I'm being very honest here, that would make you think, oh, she could do whatever she wants. No, I had to constantly step through fears and step through things that made me feel uncomfortable to ensure that I was always reaching for something new, to try something new, to look for something new, because I was always afraid of getting stuck, honestly. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be stuck. Wow. I'm, I'm thinking that would be a great title, always reaching for something new. Yeah. I so appreciate you spending time with me today, Melissa. I hope that our audience takes a look at your film. I thought it was just a beautiful film, and I um, really appreciated the message, and I think our audience will definitely resonate, and um, congratulations. Thank you. I really enjoyed spending time with you. It was fun. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. 
And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used up. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest. <laughs>